What's going on, guys? It's Mohammed, the host of Aware Alpha, and just welcome to episode 75. And once again, I just want to start with saying how grateful I am. Uh, I just feel super excited for everything that's going on. And as I'm bringing on a guest every time on the show in these last couple of weeks and continue to bring more, I'm super excited for all the different things and informations that I'm able to share on the podcast with everyone and all the listeners. And at the same time, I feel like as I'm bringing on different guests, I'm learning different things. And I feel like today it's one of those days uh, where we're going to really learn some new ideas about, you know, putting the right things in our bodies. And I feel like uh, just a lot of new information. Um, so with that being said, I have a special guest, someone that I started to look online. They showed up on my Explorer page on Instagram. And as I was looking through their stuff, I was very intrigued with the information and everything that they share. So as I reached out to them, it was been a blessing for them to want to jump on this podcast. Just to tell you guys a little about her. Her name is Charlotte. And what she teaches uh, through her programs and her coaching and everything that she shares online, it's really... Ayurveda in psychology. I don't even know if I pronounced Ayurveda right, but she teaches, you know, how to use those to live a good lifestyle, have the right habits, pretty much become your most aware self. So with that being said, Charlotte, welcome to the Aware Alpha podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Awesome. Thank you. So just because um, a lot of the audience and everyone that listens to my podcast are, I don't, I don't know if they're familiar with Ayurveda. My, I feel like myself, I'm a little familiar, but just, you know, tell them a little about that, just for them to understand pretty much what it is. Yeah, with pleasure, of course. So um, Ayurveda is the, well, we call it often actually the sister science to yoga, because basically mm-hmm. it evolved at the same time as yoga in the same place. So Ayurveda is the Indian medicine system, mm-hmm. the same way that we have people know a lot of the Chinese medicine. There's yeah. also the um, Indian medicine. And mm-hmm. there's traces of the Ayurvedic uh, medicine from 5,000 years ago. Okay. But most probably it has a much longer history than that because mm-hmm. it's just really from when we have written traces, right? So okay. it exists probably since much longer than that. Mm. And the Ayurvedic medicine just like in that sense, the um, Chinese and a lot of these more ancient practices are holistic approaches to um, health, which Mm. means that it's not so much a question of curing disease, even though, of course, they do cure disease, Mm. but as it is more a question of finding actually a certain balance Mm. with nature in general. So it's much less of this seeing the human being as separate from the rest of the world, but mm. actually as part of this uh, ecosystem that we are, are, which means then that we will look at the human being mm. as a constitution of the elements, just like anything else in life or in, mm. let's say, in the world, it's also a constitution of the elements. Mm. And so therefore, when there is something um, manifesting as an imbalance or what we would call some kind of symptom mm. that we're not feeling well, Mm. We are looking into, okay, what is happening with the elements? So what is out of balance in the body, in the mind, which means that often when we're treating something that's a symptom, it might look very different. It might look like we're focusing on a different part of the body Mm. than where we find the symptom. 
that makes sense. Yes, it does. Go ahead. Go ahead. I thought you were going to say something else. Oh, yeah. So so basically, just to illustrate what that means mm. is that if we would look into what the elements are, so from the um, Vedantic, um, let's say, philosophy, which okay. is what yoga and um, Ayurveda stems from, okay. we would speak about five elements. So we have, of course, earth, water, fire, mm. air, and then space or ether as well, right? And so when we look into um, nature, for instance, and we would look into different organisms, let's say animals, mm. we could see that some animals have more of one element than the other. So let's say something very simple, like a small bird. A small bird is very light and quite dry and it moves around a lot. So we could mm. say that it has a lot of the element of air and ether inside of it. Mm. Whereas for instance, an elephant has, is, much more stable and heavier and slower and also lives much longer mm. and so it has much more of the um, grounding elements of earth and water for instance inside okay. and when it comes to us human beings we have the same so each human has a constitution which is very much depending on well a little bit like dna right so it's mm. when you were born where you were born, what your parents, you know, constitution are. So it's very similar to a modern biology kind of approach as well. Okay. And so depending on then your constitution of these elements, you will have a tendency maybe to develop symptoms in one way or another. So when mm. you know that about yourself, you can also then learn how to adapt and to live well in harmony with nature and the elements. Mm. What do you mean when you say uh, constitution? Right. So constitution is these five elements in the Ayurvedic way of speaking. Um, we would narrow that down to three constitutions or three doshas to use the um, Sanskrit word, which is basically just like bioenergy, if you will. So it's a combination of each of these uh, elements. So um, we have vata dosha constitution, okay. which is air and ether. So very light, like a little bird. Mm. We have a uh, pita, which is fire and water. Mm. So it's a little bit heavier and much more action because of the fire. And then we have the constitution that we call kapha, which mm. is water and earth. So like the elephant, basically much heavier. Okay. And so each and one of us, we have all of this inside of us, but at different ratios. So when we speak of a constitution, it's basically to say, well, I am dominant, let's say 70% of pita and mm. maybe um, 20% of vata and 10% of kapha, for instance, right? Okay. And that would be my unique constitution. Mm. And what is these three words that you just said? So kapha, and so what are those three actually? Yeah, so we have, it's just the Sanskrit names for them. So okay. it's vata, mm. which is the constitution of, it's the combination of air and ether into one bioenergy, B-A-T-A. Okay, okay. And then we have pita, which okay. is the combination of fire and water. Okay. And that's spelled P-I-T-T-A. Okay. People would spell it in English. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then kapha, which is then the heavier of them, which is earth and water. So mm -hmm. that bioenergy kapha is spelled K-A-P-H-A. Knowing, of course, that all of these have Sanskrit um, writings. So okay. the way I give you in letters could mm. be maybe said differently depending on where you are but it doesn't really matter because originally it wasn't used obviously in these 
Roman letters. So yeah. I see. I see. Okay. So you said at the beginning that it's pretty much like Chinese uh, medicine. It's the Indian yoga, like Ayurveda is pretty much uh, yoga. You said right. Um, I'm well, it's not yoga. It's a sister science to yoga. So they evolved at the same time. Oh yeah, sister science to yoga. So meaning like yoga is movement, meditation, you know, all those exercises. So what Ayurveda, like what uh, kind of uh, what is the medicine or the lessons or the recipes? Because I've heard that it involves eating right with the right herbs and putting the right food in your body. So it is like, so I'm curious, like, so yeah, what is like, what is the like Ayurveda where like, you know, like I said, yoga is like meditation, you know, movement, flexibility, a bunch of stuff like this. So in Ayurveda, what are the medicines and the tools and the things that someone would prescribe or say, like, do this, right? And that would be considered yeah. Ayurveda. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, it's very true that what you've heard, mm -hmm. it is, we are focusing quite a lot on food, because basically, the idea is that your, it all comes from the digestive system. Yeah. Okay, so uh, this means that the Ayurvedic principle, if you will, the one thing to really remember that will kind of makes you understand how they think is mm -hmm. that like attracts like mm. and opposites balance out mm. so this means that if we look into nature and this is also actually quite yogic in its way of approaching it because mm. it's about quality right yeah. so we have certain qualities and when they go out of balance we would then compensate let's say or balance that out with the opposite and um, quality so mm. for instance there are in what we put in us, in what we eat when it comes to the different foods, but also the different spices, for instance, mm. we will have qualities that are warming or cooling or drying mm. or making more moist. And so depending on what we have and what we need to balance out, using what we put into our mouth, because basically we're like a mechanism, right? The, the whole human being. So what we do is that we're constantly in movement we are constantly using energy and then we're resourcing with energy as well. Mm. And one way that we resource with energy, the most common is that we eat. Now yeah. there's other ways of, um, there's other ways that we resource those. Of course, for instance, we could say that for Ayurveda, mm. we use yoga to bring the spiritual side into the practice. Mm. So we can resource through yoga as well, right? On a more subtle energy that we bring in and that will energize us. Whereas mm -hmm. in the um, Ayurvedic perspective, I'm sorry. Hey, get out, get out. <laughs> I had a little pause there because Charlotte had her pet come inside the house. So, but yeah, anyway, Charlotte, go back, start pretty much what you were saying there. Yes, perfect. So basically, um, we could say that yoga brings the spiritual side into Ayurveda and mm. Ayurveda brings the health side into yoga, which is mm. why they function so well together. Mm. And the Ayurvedic principle then is that we um, balance out what would be unbalanced, which mm. means that since we take in energy in form of food, for instance, yeah. we very often see the kitchen as the, uh, medicine cabinet if you will mm. yeah no i get that okay so it's very interesting what you shared uh because i was like and i, I think human beings were looking for like a step or what is the next thing or what do you do 
And I think when you look at it from a holistic approach, you're saying, right, you watch your energy. One of our main sources of energy is through food. So what you're saying is that the Ayurveda pretty much approaches that we look at that individual and they see what is it that they require. So for all we know that they might be eating all the right foods, but what they need more is to spend some time meditating and spending time with themselves. And, you know, cause their just thoughts are uncontrollable and they're going something that uh, pretty much, yeah, that meditation or taking some time with yourself, reflecting uh, self-care, like taking a bath, stuff like that could uh, help you. So pretty much what you're saying is that, yeah, as Ayurveda is, there's no any set thing what is focused on is in a way that we look at that individual you know we find out what that individual is working with what they're dealing with uh, what is it that they're eating and then the something that i've learned through my journey is that pretty much most of the times it doesn't matter what you're doing or what you're dealing with um what we put in our body seems to be the most important because right? Like it doesn't matter how much money you make or even all the meditation in the world you do. Um, if you're not putting the right things in your body, eventually this whole thing kind of starts kind of breaking. So, and then it seems like in Ayurveda, you focus on that where it ends up being, you know, um, so I'm curious. So in your program and your coaching, when you work with someone and then you find out, okay, so this is what this person is dealing with. Uh, they're, they're tired most of the times or they're just different things that individuals deal with what are so does it is it in is it that once you look at them is it most of the times where you just have to give them like recipe suggestions and what to put in their body um i like i also like you also mentioned that sometimes you might suggest um yoga to them or something like that but i'm curious what does it end up being like where from your experience what do you feel like the root of all sickness and disease is Right. Um, so what I would say is that there's two things mm. that usually is what the recipe is, let's say. Mm. And number one, it's a question of um, routine or mm. lifestyle cho choices even. Yeah. So very often we can link, and I'm going to take an example to illustrate that. So very often we, uh, we can see that by just making sometimes some small changes in their routine of the day, mm. they will already begin to notice differences. Then, depending on how far along we are in the state of imbalance, mm. so uh, basically imbalance begins on a subtle level, so more on an energetic level, which means, mm. for instance, yes, on level of the thought or level of the emotion. Mm. And if we can address things already there by small changes in routine, for instance, mm. we will not even sometimes have to touch at the food habits. Mm. However, very often it has gone from the um, subtle and mm. into the more manifest, which means actually, as I said earlier, it kind of begins with the digestive system. So very often it, it's linked to early stages of imbalance we mm. find in our digestive issues and so mm. that's where we then begin to look at okay maybe we need to change what you're eating mm. now what is really difficult is that people today don't know themselves okay they don't know how to read their signals mm. and they're very often actually quite ignorant to early signs and even sometimes more prolonged um manifested signs as well mm. what they do instead is that they look at the latest trends right so this is the health trend for now do this try that and then there's the different you know diets like i remember mm. 
years ago when it was the big thing of the Atkins diet, for instance. Mm. And then there's the, the, which is kind of today, I guess, like a keto thing a little bit as well, right? It's a little bit similar, I guess. Mm. But the thing is, depending on the person, that might not at all be good for you. Mm. And I would even say that there's a lot of people who are practicing some stuff today that are very healthy and like conscious and spiritual mm. that are really detrimental for their mental state, unfortunately. Yeah. Some types of breath work, for instance, and also some of these like, you know, like the cold and the hot kind of thing with the saunas and the ice bath and all of that, which is great for some people. For people who have a very high energetic um, activity on the mental level, this can actually be aggravating. They usually need to slow down instead and to ground which is not usually happening when you are doing a lot of breath work, for instance. Mm. So people are so disconnected from listening to their own signs mm. that they will instead trust what they see, you know, is, is uh, offered to them from the outside. Mm. So very often there's a whole work of like reversing that for the person. Okay. Maybe that's not what's good for you. Mm. I wanted to take one quick example. For instance, I had this client who so his work is in trading. So um, like a lot of people, I guess, these days, yeah. it's very exciting. <laughs> and so he was, because he was living in Bali at the time, mm. he was often um, working at night mm. um, due to, you know, time differences and stuff yeah. like that. But he had all these manifested issues that were on the mental state. So he was quite low in energy. He was quite um, sad, actually. There was like, I don't want to use that word really because that's clinical, but like a depressed kind of state a little okay, bit. Okay. Um, he would also experience um, constipation mm. and he was never really hungry. So there was this like heaviness in him. Mm. And what he noticed as well was that he found it really, really hard to get up in the morning because he would actually get the second wind after 10 p.m. at night, mm. which would have him then be more creative, it felt, at night. Mm. So by just do two things, changing his routine, I made him go to bed earlier at night, no mm. questions asked, which would have him get up earlier in the morning. And in the early morning, I would have him have um, a ginger tea, okay? Mm. So have ginger tea early in the morning, and over the course of a week already, he noticed differences, which was that when I saw him again after a week, there was this glow in his skin and there was this sparkle in his eye. He was much more positive in his thinking. Mm. And he had realized that because he managed to get up earlier in the morning, have his ginger tea, he would also be motivated to move, to exercise at that time. And by 10 a.m., instead of 10 p.m., he was feeling creative. So he was being able to do a lot of creative work between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., for instance, and then have also the conscious of uh, feeling good about going to bed early at night. So it reversed his whole cycle and his symptoms changed as well. Interesting. Why did you uh, suggest for him to drink ginger tea? Like, what was the reason for that? Right. So two reasons. Um, Number one, when your mood is quite low and heavy that way, okay. it means that your kapha dosha, so that part that is like the heavier one, the mm. water and the earth, is really quite heavy or strong, let's say, in your constitution. Mm. Okay. It might even be a little bit unbalanced. Mm. So what do we want to do? We want to create the opposite effect. So we balance out with the opposite. And what is opposite to that heavy 
and cold um, and um, wet? Well, it's something that heats up and dries up. And so ginger has a really heating effect on the body, which means that it will actually compensate for the heaviness of the kapha. Mm. And the second thing is that because he was experiencing um, constipation, mm. the ginger will also help to uh, activate his internal fire. So bringing the heat up, as I mentioned, mm. which will then activate his metabolism mm. and therefore get the digestion, di digestion sorry, going faster than it had been doing because it had been slowing down and being sluggish. Mm, that's interesting. I'm very curious to know uh, what made you get into pretty much all this. Right. Yes. So basically, it, I would say that it really started when I uh, was a psychology student back okay. in university. So I even got into the field of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis because I was interested in understanding how we function or how I function myself, I guess. Mm. And I started out with this because there's, I think there's people who are drawn to the subject are people who are drawn to understanding themselves very often. Yeah. Um, and when I later on got into yoga, I got into yoga because I was actually quite in an unbalanced state and quite unhappy myself. Mm. That's the reason I got into yoga and I didn't really link the two in those days. I mm. just thought that yoga would uh, help me develop uh, a certain calm, you know, with meditation and mm -hmm. feeling better about myself. And little by little, as I advanced in my yoga practice, and when I became a yoga teacher, mm -hmm. I started noticing that actually psychology is what the West has developed in order to understand who we are. Whereas actually, in a certain way, yoga is the ancient um, Eastern tradition of understanding who we are to see mm -hmm. our true nature, right? As the yoga sutras even say, mm -hmm. when we find yoga, when we find union, that is when the seer um, comes basically to the surface, right? To the, the, mm -hmm. the truth in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so because I did a, a yoga teacher training mm -hmm. in a very traditional um, way with um, Indian teachers from the Institute of Mumbai, in India, Ayurveda was a natural part of what our living was like, because that's mm -hmm. very much how the traditional yogis would live. They mm -hmm. would live according to the Ayurvedic principles. So I got in touch with Ayurveda as soon as I started my yoga teacher training. Mm -hmm. And seriously, I thought that Ayurveda was a way to cook. Like I was like, well, it's Indian cuisine, right? And that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I just noticed how by living according to these rules, I would find um, a certain peace of mind that I just never experienced otherwise. Mm. And it didn't make me understand what it was to begin with. I actually had over several years, I would say about seven years time, mm. I would have several times these cyclic moments that I think most of us experience where we're feeling really good and then we go overboard and then we can, then we crash and then we don't know what's happening and we're trying to find a solution and then we go back up again. All right. And a lot of people, I think, experience that. Yeah. And I would have that several times. And every time Ayurveda saved me. So I would try different things, Western medicine, Chinese medicine, mm. this or that. And then I would see an Ayurvedic practitioner as well. Mm. And every time it saved me 
And still, I didn't understand, right? So we have that with the mind, right? We just yeah. go back to what's familiar. Yeah. And it wasn't until the, the third time where I thought to myself, well, quite obviously, it helps me. But then I spiral back into something. So there's something that I need to change in my habits. Mm. And right at that point, my uh, teacher, from my teacher training, she was putting on an Ayurvedic training as well. Mm. And I said, oh, sign me up. Like, I want to I get this. You know, I want to understand this. And while I was doing the training, I had so many insights and revelations just about myself, mm. which is really on a psychological level as well, which is why it's so interesting, you know. Mm. And, and, that's, and that's really how it happened. So once I got my certi certification and all of that, I, I seriously, really coming from the heart, I was just like, I, I need to share this. Yeah. Like I, and this is how I then, that's, that became my world. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. And it seems like that's how it happens most of the times uh, or in this day and age where a lot of individuals want to learn from someone that had, you know, learned from personal experiences, right? And then they found this working and then now they're teaching that. And it seems like that's an industry that's growing more than, let's say, your, uh, your natural, your individuals that are taking a university route education. But so on an intellectual level, they have the information, but on an experiential level, they're not actually so and then it ends up being that disconnection right and that's why it seems like a lot of individuals like yourself are you know making a name for themselves and helping people because people want to learn from people who have personal experiences and they can be like this is what i was dealing with this is what i found that's working and now i want to share it because like it's so good right um yeah. how are you in so how are you able to incorporate psychology into aeroveda like how are those two like what are you because you do, you teach both of them through you teach your clients through both of them right so how have you been able to incorporate both of those into an approach to help people right great question so basically the same way that we can look into how each person have their constitution yeah, so yeah. their uh, ratios mm. it it will give um, physical aspects mm. but it will also give of course mental and emotional aspects mm. and what i notice is that let's take a very typical trait that we find in the world today and that it's very much promoted in the world today okay. which is the aspect in ayurveda of fire right so the pita dosha okay. it's moving always going further forward uh, it's leaders it's um, uh, I would even say that it's it's quite the the yang uh, mm. aspect of us, right? Mm. And and that is a great quality. Mm. But what happens is that when that quality turns towards the negative, so when it's unbalanced, mm. what does it become? Well, it becomes uh, jealousy. It becomes anger. It becomes um, some of these typical traits that we can see in what they, when they speak about narcissism, for instance, today, yeah. right? And I mean, literally just that the world is on fire mm -hmm. in many aspects, whether yeah. it's environmental or political or anything, it's all this kind of like the pizza that's gone overboard. Mm. So then when we look at each person and we go, okay, I have a lot of this in me and I find it really hard to stay balanced in it. Mm. Why is that? So this is where I find that psychology then comes in in a really good way, because what I've also understood is that we will continue mm. to 
repeat the same patterns of behavior mm. as long as we are not aware of them, right? When something is in our unconscious, okay. it has it has a um, it has its power over us. Yes, yes. So, right. So um, a little bit like um, I mean, it's Carl Jung who spoke a lot of the the shadow and the and the persona, or you know, when we bring light into the shadow aspects, that is when we can change something. Mm. And when I look into, and this is like I see this with my patients in psychology, and I see this with my my clients in Ayurveda as well, right? Yeah. It is only when we become aware of a trait inside of us that we can look at it and then change it. Once we know it, it's easier to change it, but mm. we can only change it when we become aware of it. So mm. these people who have a PETA tendency, as long as they're not aware, I mean, hey, I'm the first one. Over years, I would have these cycles, right? Mm. And it was when I came to realize, oh my God, this is what I do. And so what we often call this to make it easy is it's a question of self-image. I have an image of myself that is deeply rooted inside of me linked to who I make, what I make uh, all this mean about me, limiting beliefs and ideas from my parents. So what we do when we combine the two is that we begin to look into the self-image of the person and then break it down in order to see, okay, this is the way I sabotage for myself mm -hmm. when I have these tendencies to move too much into imbalance. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It's interest. It's interesting. So pretty much like it makes sense why psychology and Ayurveda works because psychology is all mental and emotional and how to deal with all those things and how to deal with, you know, how to build the right habits that are in place that are going to really control your life and lead you to wherever. If you have bad habits, it's not going to lead you to something good. But if you have the good habits, it leads to a healthier, much more aware version of yourself. Um, I watched one of your posts recently, and you're talking about detoxing, right? Uh, I'm very curious to know, because even myself, I'm thinking right now, and as I was watching some of your stuff recently, that about three, four years ago, I had started to detox. So I, was, I would go buy these drinks that is for like your liver, and then you're supposed to drink it and flush it. Uh, these other like, and it was all like Chinese medicine type of uh, like holistic stuff, right? Uh, this other drink that was good for your liver and lungs and all these different things. And then at, at one point, I was even drinking this tea where it's supposed to help you detox, like pretty much inside you. But anyways, around that time, I just learned about that, how important detoxification is, like detoxing. And and as recently, literally your, as your content that I've been watching has made me back to realize that I'm like, damn, like when is the last time I actually did a, like a detox? And I was like, damn, like, I was like, I drink lemon water a lot and I drink lemons. I was like, is that like, I know that's pretty good, but like, I'm like, is that a full one? And I was excited to ask you on the podcast here that first of all, how important or why should somebody need to detox, right? Uh, on how important is it? And then we can kind of get into what are some great ways and stuff like that. But just share, like, how important is it for us human beings to actually do a holistic natural detox every once in a while? Well, I would say that the ideal thing mm. would be to not even come to the point where you need to do like a detox mm. because your whole body, your whole system has its own natural detoxification 
Mm. Okay. And when everything functions, it does this naturally, especially at night, mm. which is the reason that when we wake up in the morning, if our body is quite well imbalanced, okay. most of us need to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Because actually, during the night, mm. all the organs in the body mm. are doing their own detoxification process. Mm. And then we eliminate that as we get up. This is the reason that we go to the bathroom. And this is the reason those who think about it, if they look at their tongue in the morning, it will have a coating, like, yeah. a, like a white coat, right? Yeah. And exactly. And so that is actually toxins that have been uh, eliminated from the organs mm. and that we can then eliminate from the body so mm. that we don't bring it back in again. Mm. So what I was saying, for instance, yesterday in that, in that post about, um, about detoxification, we have th the fact of being alive in itself means that we take in energy because we eat, yeah. we um, eliminate that energy or the toxins from the energy, what we can't use, the waste of it, yeah. um, in sweating, in um, when we go to the bathroom and as I was saying, the tongue and all of that, right? Mm. And then what we need to do as well in order to keep this going is that we need to activate physically the body and then we need to restore the body. Mm. So when we can do these four things in a balanced way and in a regular way, which means we do it every day, then your whole system is its natural detoxification. Mm. This means that we eat the right things, yeah. move our body every day a little bit, we sleep in the right time, and then yeah. we eliminate. Mm. And we can, of course, I mean, life has it, of course, that we are not always perfectly imbalanced. Yeah. And so there will be moments when we notice, okay, I need to do something extra about this because I notice that there's issues. I notice actually that I have toxins that have not been eliminated mm. and in that case i can activate different processes right in order to help the organs a little bit extra mm. so there are for sure there are all these herbs for instance like we can find as well then in other holistic approaches like the um, chinese medicine as well that yeah. we can help that will help so in the chinese medicine there there is a focus i think i don't know it as well but there is a focus a little bit more on specific organs, whereas mm. in the um, Ayurvedic approach, we're talking then about these doshas, these um, element constitutions, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit different to that. Mm. Um, but basically, one of the first things that, just to give you a, a really easy way to think of when do I need to detox or when do I need to think about what I'm, how I'm eliminating, yeah. you'll notice it in a couple of things so for instance that coat in the morning we all have it yeah. but if you notice that that's actually quite a thick white coat okay like for instance people who have when you have a flu or when you've got a cold so like for instance you're in or you're in canada i'm from yeah. sweden right mm -hmm. so i know that in winter time most people have this ongoing cold right that just yeah. keeps on does it yeah and so in those moments we do notice that that coating on the tongue is thicker than usual yeah 
Um, so that is one of the things we notice, okay, that's not, that's not normal. That's already an early sign. I need to detox. Mm. There's other things like just having a lot of pain in the body, like the joints. Mm. If you experience that, you wake up, you're always kind of stiff and you have these pains. That's another sign. There's an accumulation of toxins in the body that you're not really eliminating well. Mm. You notice as well on your own odor. So your body odor and your breath, if they're stronger than usual, it means as well that you need to eliminate, right? Mm. And even people, I think a lot of people know, have noticed themselves, like if I have a bad breath, mm. maybe it's because I'm dry. So I need to drink. And that is actually one very early way of detoxing, adding more water in to flush out the system. Mm. That's interesting. And it seems like with Ayurveda, it's like, just involves listening to our own body, right? Yes. Like listening actually what's really going on. And I like that because one of the things I feel like we continuously share on this Aware Alpha podcast is whether we talk about relationships, about childhood trauma, like so many uh, things. It seems like the solution or one of the things that is very well uh, mentioned is to continue and sit and just listen to your body, listen to the way you feel, listen to your thoughts, listen to the things that are coming up. And it seems like with this, it's the same thing where if we sit there and we do focus on listening to our body and just paying attention to like when I'm in the morning, when I wake up or do I have joint pain, right? Do I have that coat on my uh, lips or tongue? And just even just like mentally, how do I feel, right? Do I feel tired through the day and all these things? are all our body expressing itself and talking to us, it sounds like, right? And I feel like that's something that I um, embody a lot myself, like eating the right things and making sure I eat the right things. And I'm very big on that. Uh, so, and I like that. It seems like, that's um, so why I was excited to have you on the podcast because I, I want to continue to talk about the importance of putting the right things on our, in our bodies and how important it is and, you know, from the right herbs and right food and everything like that. I have a question that, so in Ayurveda, is it like, is there anything to do with eating meat and dairy? Like is most of the approaches, the recipe approaches is uh, a vegan and plant-based or is in, you know, Ayurveda also they, talk about eating you know certain meats and it's good for you and certain uh dairy and the benefits of a, a like a, a fresh you know uh dairy for you and stuff like that so i'm curious um if it is incorporated or not or is it really like a vegan plant-based uh approach right that's a great question so actually one of the things that is really important to remember from the Ayurvedic perspective is that food is medicine, mm. right? And so what this means is that animal products exist in the Ayurvedic kitchen, if you will, and can definitely be used as a way to treat. Mm. So there are a few things like both meat and dairy yeah. that are both meat and dairy have very heavy qualities. Mm. And so that means that for certain diseases in um, the Ayurvedic perspective, mm. this will absolutely benefit. Mm. I would say that the big difference is that when you look at meat and dairy as medicine for us, like actually, if you would look back 
thousands and thousands of years ago when we couldn't just go to the supermarket and buy our steak yeah. when when humans would kill an animal that would be food that was very I mean, it, w- it wasn't every day, right? Yeah. Because they probably wouldn't kill every day. Yeah. And so it's, it's the same way. It's like it's something that we can use because we need it at time. And it's when it's, I really want to say, it's like when it becomes industrialized. Mm. So basically when it becomes this thing of eating meat every day or eating three times even the day meat and, and dairy and all of that, that's, yeah. a, that's not recommended. Mm. I like that. You know why? Because my approach to eating is, and just like my research process is to look back at hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago and what were people eating and exactly you just said and meat was a delicacy right it's like when the hunters went out and every once in a while they got something they came back and then they like it was a delicacy and then for the rest of the times they were eating off the ground and off the planet and what it was bringing which was herbs and uh, fruits and vegetables and stuff like that right so it's and that's the first time I've heard somebody else literally share that and talk about it like that so it's it's so true so that it makes sense that meat and you know milk and dairy there's certain things that it's very beneficial and once again it just comes back down to it depends on that individual and what's uh what's like what are they dealing with and what would be the best thing for them right and sometimes it sounds like eating meat and you know dairy and certain things that are in it is probably the most beneficial right um everyone that's listening to the podcast if we hear a little bit of hammers and everything like that uh charlotte is in bali and she before we start the podcast she mentioned that there's some construction going on i was like you know what it's okay let's record anyways because the content that we're sharing here is actually very very uh valuable so i'm sure everyone listening they will go through the couple of seconds of hammering and everything like that. Um, I am very curious, what made you move to Bali? Because you said you used to live in Sweden, right? So what uh, inspired you to go to Bali? Right, yes. So so I was born and brought up in Sweden. And then I actually lived most of my adult life in the south of France. Okay. Um, but when I was about 20 years old, so this is very long time ago, like 20 years ago, okay. I, um, I went out traveling, mm. um, backpacking through Southeast Asia, which was a big thing back then. Okay. Nowadays, the world is so small, so it's nothing. But back then, it was like a big thing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, and it was the first time I set foot in Bali mm. back then. And it has, I mean... It just had this effect on me, right? I, I fell in love with the place and it was just this incredible experience for this, yeah. you know, 20 year old Swedish girl who'd never been out of Europe. And it was just, yeah. so when I went back to Europe and then I moved to France, I, it existed in me for years and years. I had this like longing to just go back, you know? Yeah. And so when I finally moved here was, well, I had gone through some, quite important changes in my life okay uh, on a personal level okay. and I had left the I was in the corporate world and working mm-hmm. and like and I just I changed a lot of that yeah. it took a couple of years to do and during that transition mm-hmm. I um I had this <laughs> I was I was actually in therapy mm-hmm. and I said to my therapist or analyst actually because she's a psychoanalyst um I said to her I think 
I think I want to become a yoga teacher and mm. and live in Bali. And she looked at me. She's like, well, of course. I mean, I can I can see that happening. <laughs> and and it took some time, but I had this deep desire inside of me for this. Mm. And so um, yeah, and I. I came back to Bali. I had a friend who'd been living here for the past 15 years already. So I came to, to visit and, um, and I think I just, I mean, it's just, it's, it's difficult when you explain it in hindsight, in the moment, mm. things just go in this kind of like flow. It's just yeah. happening. And how many years have you been living in Bali now? Now I've been here for seven years. Seven years. That's amazing. And I just wanted to make a comment because you said 20 years ago, like when you came out and in my mind, I was like, so you're saying you're 40. And I just want to say, you look like you're 32 to me. If you had asked me how old I look, I would have said 32. So uh, pretty much everyone listening to the podcast, everything that you're putting in your body and the whole Ayurveda and that stuff obviously is working because like you look 32 and you just said that, you know, so that's, I just want to say that that's what I would have guessed. I would have said 32. Um, so my, th- the, the thought that I have is for you, psychology and Ayurveda, right. Um, and it involves, you know, really like emotions and um, mental habits, all these involved. And at the same time, what are we putting in our body and all these things, right? So for yourself, when you're working with a client or you were working with an individual, uh, what do you notice that is some, that's the most common thing that people are dealing with these days? Is it emotional um, challenges or is it more like, you know, um, health challenges in the sense of like they need to work out or something, stuff like that. What do you, between those things, what do you feel like it's, uh, most of your clients, like, are they coming with you where like they have emotional, uh, imbalance and you're like, you know what, let's look into it and then go from it. So what do you, what do you notice your most people that are coming to you are dealing with? Well, you know what? Most people come to me Hmm. with a more physical reason, right? So it's often they speak about something. It could be, um, hormonal because they someone told them that it's hormonal not because they know it but because someone told them that it's that it could be digestive it could be size of the body exercise all these kind of things and what i always discover like this is this is it just seems natural to some of us right you'll probably agree with me but what i always notice that the root cause is always emotional Mm. oh so true it's so true and i'm very curious is there like when it comes to the psychology part and the emotional part, um, what is it? What type of things do you teach in a sense of is it like changing your habits or do you get to deep enough about childhood trauma and, you know, all these things like do you work with clients that are, you know, you end up finding out that it's actually some childhood trauma and some abandonment issues and certain things that happened to you when you were a child that is actually the root cause of these emotions and has nothing to do with you eating healthy because like you know like i can i'm I'm imagining right now that let's say somebody that's holistic like just eating all the right stuff they're super healthy and everything but yet emotionally they are just not there it's because they're dealing with with some kind of childhood trauma i have experienced that myself in the sense where i was eating good and healthy and everything like things were good but it's the I had a lot of childhood trauma that i had to work right so i'm curious that in your line of work 
does the psychology and the mental and the emotional things that you just say get that deep where you're working with a client that is literally needing to heal their childhood trauma? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it depends on <clears throat> it depends on the configuration of the work, right? Mm. So, um, people who come to me with a very specific need that is more linked to what's going on with them. Maybe we'll do one session, maybe we'll do two, maybe we'll do three. In these situations, we don't really get to go that deep because that's also part of the, you know, like the defenses that each and one of us have is that we don't let that come to the surface. However, yeah. However, with the people that I work with really on a more therapeutic base, which Mm -hmm. means that we have daily, uh, sorry, weekly sessions, of course, and, and it's on the long term. Absolutely. Absolutely, that comes up. And because you also realize one thing, and that is we actually, I know it sounds like a cliche, we mm-hmm. actually have all the answers within us. Mm. We might not have access to them straight away, but they're there. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. We just have to, it sounds like we just have to listen long enough, patient enough. And be patient enough for those to come and those answers to come, which most people are not doing, right? Most people are not staying patient and getting distracted by TV and Netflix and all these things. And you could probably not even with one session or two sessions sitting with someone, if you were to prescribe, tell them like, hey, you should take some time to just listen. They probably won't even really like (laughs) take that as an important information, right? Because I feel like most people are naturally looking for like prescription. Like, yeah. tell me, give me steps, give me two steps. And then like, I'm going to follow the steps and everything should be okay. Right. But yeah. it, it doesn't, life doesn't come in steps, you know, like you have to listen to your body and then see what's, uh, what you require and then kind of go from there on. Right. Um, yes. And, you know, I just have to say, when you said that, that's so, so true. And it's the, like, they want the magic pill, right? They want the recipe. They want the solution. Yeah. And I can't, I can't help by linking this to this incessant need that we've been indoctrinated with of mm. producing results. Mm. Because what producing results have yeah. is that you don't have patience, mm. right? So from early on, as children, when they start to give grades in school and all of that, we lose the interest. We don't want to learn to learn. We yeah. want to learn to be able to get good grades. Yeah. And so it's produce a result and then you know that you are worthy, mm. which means that you don't have patience for the um, confusion, mm. for the time, for, for the passive side to let things come to the surface. Mm. We become what I was thinking when you were saying just that stuff is that we become uh, somebody that is doing, 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 which most of the times the solution would be to being 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 right and that's a very hard thing for a lot of people right um a question that came to me and i'm really very curious to ask is what would you say is the key to longevity and longevity meaning like living a long healthy life being 90 to 100 years old and your brain your mind body physical everything is still functioning the best it can yeah i would say in one word, mm. regularity. Mm. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it comes back a little bit to the idea of the magic pill or the recipe. 
Mm. And if we look into if we look into most of the issues that people uh, have and where they try different solutions mm. without finding um, that it gives results, it very often just comes down to the fact that they didn't actually commit to a long-term engagement to this thing. Mm. Actually, probably most treatments or diets and things like that have benefits. But because we are not seeing results early enough, mm. we usually give up and then we give into our tendencies to go back into that cyclic thing where we were then we slope down, we sabotage, and then we look for something new. Mm. So it is coming back to the idea that Western medicine has taught us as well that just do your thing. And if it's not working, here's a pill to cure it. Whereas really, in order to make long-lasting effects on something, mm. we need to prevent instead of trying to cure. Mm. And what that means is have a regular routine in your life, whether mm. it comes to how you live your life, how you relate to other people, what mm. you're putting in your body, what you're you doing with your physical body, mm. and then make sure that that is not something you do as a quick fix but you do it from day one and you continue. Make it your life. Make it yeah. your identity even. Yes. No, yeah. I like that. Make it a lifestyle, right? Yeah. Instead of like, you know, eating like certain diet for a couple of weeks or eating certain this for, no, like actually do something and embody something that it becomes a lifestyle, right? And then go through that. And I think, through that process, when you look at it in that approach, uh, you start to become very self-aware. And through that self-awareness process, you start to realize that, wow, like the key to living a healthy life, a long life, uh, you know, just a balanced life, all these things that she just comes down to back to my own self-care routine. And what does that look like? Listening to myself, listening to my body, you know, and like, and realizing also that, I already have all the information. Like I already know what I'm supposed to do. And even like the idea when you said like our body is already naturally detoxing, right? Um, I think the key, and I just came to my mind, it sounds like is that we should just put the right fuel in there for this thing to do its own work, right? Instead of focusing on like, what kind of tea should I drink to detox or what kind of thing I should do? Right. Um, no, I think that's super, super important. And I love the answer that you just give, because I think one of my biggest fascination is living a long life. I truly believe that I'm going to live to 120 years old and I'm always looking for information on how to do that. Right. Um, one of the question about like cardiovascular exercises. And I asked this because I'm very curious on, because I feel like it's one of the most important things for even for our heart to work the best is that we got to make sure that, you know, our like lungs are healthy, like the air that comes in and out of this. Right. So I'm very curious because yoga is very like, uh, like if you're doing yoga all the time, it's just, it's very good for flexibility. Right. Um, and then yoga also has meditation where it's, taking the time to emotionally balance and regulate your emotions. And one of the things I noticed through, and I'm actually interested in getting my yoga teacher certification. And that's something I'm looking into in the next six or 12 months is I noticed there's nothing about cardiovascular exercises or cardio, um, let's say like 
any of the Indian or Chinese teachings, or maybe I'm not aware of it, right? So I'm curious, how important is that? And do you, um, like how often do you maybe talk about that? How often do you find that people that come to you that are really, um, the reason why they are where they are is because they have not been active. They have not been literally taking their, exercising, taking care of their cardiovascular, right? Um, So I'm just curious, how often do you see that? Why I ask also is because I feel like like if you're doing the yoga and if you're doing meditation and you're taking care of yourself, you don't really find out what's wrong with you from the cardiovascular, like your cardiovascular until let's say you're 60, 78, like as you're older is when you start kind of feeling like, oh, wow, I should have actually moved more. I should have like, like just did more cardio, whether it's boxing, dancing, running, whatever it is. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it in the sense of how important it is, is that, uh, into incorporating living a healthy full life. Yeah. So, uh, that's a very interesting question because I think that first of all, I Mm. think that, um, the idea that we have that we need, uh, cardio, Mm. Uh, as a as a type of exercise yeah. is also more as a result of the very sedentary lifestyle that we have yeah. and if we look back from quite long ago mm. um, let's see can you still hear me well yeah oh yeah, yeah i can still hear you if we look back from quite long ago mm. um, we would naturally constantly be moving mm. right work-wise we would work with our bodies so the question wouldn't even really need to be and the issues the cardiovascular kind of problems diseases that exist is something that's quite modern right mm-hmm. to lifestyle situation and what we eat and how we move etc more okay. than um, just having a quite normal um ancient way of being where we move constantly every day and okay. um, they Actually, in yoga, even even the um, classical yoga, which is, I mean, I know that it's very it's very trendy with um, or popular, I should say, with uh, Ashtanga Vinyasa and these kinds today, because that is much more of a cardio training. But even in traditional Hatha yoga, classical yoga, you start you warm up the body with sun salutations. And Mm -hmm. if you do, if you do a certain number of sun salutations, you will definitely get your heart rate up and you will get your uh, cardio in that. Mm. And the essential part is that we do this, right? So you will get your heart rate up um, by doing sun salutations, for instance. Mm. But then also in uh, yogic practices, the uh, pranayams or the breathing exercises are really working on the um, cardiovascular as well, on the lung capacity, on the respiratory system. Sorry, that's what I wanted to say. Mm. That's interesting. Mm. And I would even say that if you, if you, you look at yoga and Ayurveda, they would never really promote uh, what we hear as cardio. Now Mm. I'm a runner since many years and my, and my uh, Ayurvedic doctor, he said, stop running. You know, mm. you, you don't need to run. And it, running is actually a very modern uh, activity. It's, and it started out actually with, um, it started out in America with when Nike created a shoe mm. uh, for running. And that's the whole concept of jogging started then. And it's really coming from marketing originally. Um, wow. Not saying that it's not good for you. Because yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, 
I, I love running. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's interesting you say that because I once talked to somebody and I asked the same question of what's the key to longevity. And they actually said that they don't like to run and they don't like to work out too much because why would I overwork this body that I'm going to have all my life? So if I want to live a life to be 90, 100 years old, why would I go run these like ultra marathons and all these run? Like I, there is like, so they were very against running in the sense of like, instead of running, just live an active lifestyle in the sense of, you know, hundreds of years ago, the hunter gatherer wouldn't wake up and be like, I'm going to go run a marathon today. No, like they were just naturally moving all the time. So they didn't have to actually uh, do running. So it makes sense that it's a marketed thing. And at the same time that a lot of people as individuals like myself or anyone that like wants to run is because like I work from my laptop and if I'm, you know, sitting from a laptop 30, 40 hours a week and I'm not actively and consciously choosing to go move, then I'm probably going to need some cardio because right. Like I'm just sitting. Right. Um, and actually. one last question actually, before we finish up the podcast and I'm very big on this in the sense of, uh, I heard a podcast once, I think it was like Tom Billy and he was like, um, interviewing, uh, person that ended up becoming a doctor and he believed in the three s's that are the key to longevity which is sleep sex and sun so i'm curious to know like when it comes to the sun is there because for me i'm actually i just recently moved to a province here in canada that there's 330 days of sun and i really am a big believer of in the sense of like being somewhere where i can be exposed to to the sun at least one hour or two hours a day and making sure to get that natural vitamin d so i'm curious to know how important you think it is to make sure we get sun on a daily basis or do you feel like it's not really a big deal and um or yeah, like I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on the importance of getting sun daily. It's obviously the source of life, right? Mm. So it's really, it's really, um, it's really essential for us. Yes. And the reason is, so you, when you look into, so once again, from the Ayurvedic perspective, mm. they will not speak about sun specifically, but mm. they will speak about the dinacharya, which is the, um, the daily schedule. And mm. the daily schedule is that you wake up a little bit before the sun comes up, actually, so that you are up with the sun. Yeah. And then you go to bed when the sun goes down, more or less. Mm. So that you allow for your body to restore in the hours of the day when the sun is not there. And mm. then you are up when the sun is there. They even would say that the biggest meal of the day should be in the pita time of the day, which means actually when the sun is at its highest. So between mm. 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Interesting. Yeah. I like that. Thank you for sharing that. And just though the, the correlation and the connection in the Ayurveda practice and now the sun, the importance of that. Um, before we finish off, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for your time today, Charlotte, because I'm sure everyone listening to the podcast are going to take some value from this and going to learn something from listening to this podcast. Uh, before I finish off the podcast, please let everyone know where they can find you and I will include everything in the detail section. Wonderful. Well, first of all, thank you very much. I really enjoyed this. I'm so happy that we uh, could do this today. And um, yes, so people can find me of course, on social media. So I have my Instagram, which is um, Yogi Shah. Okay. I also have a website, which is 
conveniently yogisha.com okay. awesome <laughs> and I, I and i even have a, actually a youtube channel a very small one but still where you can also find me talking about things as well uh if you prefer listening to um to me chatting which is with the same name yogisha so oh. these are my three let's say channels Awesome. Sounds good. Well, like I said, it was a pleasure having you. Uh, I'm going to have the detail section in the detail section, all uh, Charlotte's info. And lastly, everyone listening to this podcast, as we finish off the podcast, my intention as usual is for you to truly, truly take this information and implement it in your day-to-day life. Take something from this and make it a habit in your life, you know, make it a conscious uh, challenge in your life that you're going to do more of it. You're going to learn or learn more about it and continue to discover yourself because at the end of the day, the more you learn about yourself, the more you learn how to take care of yourself. And I think that's just super, super important. And lastly, until next time, please, please stay an aware alpha.